Hello friends, welcome to the Hillside Church Podcast. My name is Brad and I serve Hillside Church as the lead pastor. We're so glad to be able to share God's word with you in this way. God has so much in store for you and for your life. And one of the ways God works in our lives is through the study of his word, like the message you're about to hear. Our prayer for you is that as you share in this message, if it's me preaching or if it's someone else, is that God's word would minister to your heart and life in a most powerful way. Thanks again for being part of our church family. God bless you. But now for our message this morning, if you'd like to follow along in Scripture, you can turn to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25 is where we're going to be looking at in Scripture this morning. And this week, as we begin our celebration of 30 years of ministry, and and coupled with that, this beginning of our sign-up season, um, I think it's important that we take a moment in, in in our message this morning to couple these two things together, because they're completely connected to one another. The the church is is here, 30 years of ministry in Airdrie, because we've had people contribute to the ministry. That's how we got here. If if nobody contributed to the ministry, it would be me sitting here alone in the dark, preaching to an empty room. But because we've had people, God has brought people, and people have been faithful to come and serve and make Hillside Church their home over the last 30 years, we are able to celebrate this milestone. And today I want, to, I want to, with the benefit of hindsight, invite you to participate in that through our sign-up season, a, a link in a miraculous chain that's brought us these last 30 years. God has been faithful to carry us today, and God entrusts his church to us, to you and to me. And so we're charged and gifted the opportunity to be part of the next season of ministry here at the church and partner together by serving together. And I want to talk to us today about understanding what, what it looks like to serve, what it looks like to, to get involved with something. What does it look like to, to step into something when we're a little unsure, perhaps, of, of what it is that we can do? What it is that we, what do I have to offer? What, what do I have to give? And I want to look at that through a parable that Jesus told. A parable is a story that Jesus would tell these stories. That was one of his primary ways of teaching was he would tell these stories to his followers in order to illustrate a point. And so I want to, I want to look at a parable today found in Matthew chapter 25. If you grew up in church, you may know it as the parable of the talents. Depending on the translation of the Bible you use, it may also be the parable of the bags of gold. But so we're going to read through the parable together. And we're going to, I'm going to stop just in the middle a little bit just to give you some context. There's a whole bunch of stuff happening here that we need to understand. But functionally, we're going to read through the parable together. Then we'll come back and unpack it together. So in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus starts, starts telling this story in verse 14. When he says, again, it will be like a man going out on a journey. So again is because he was, had been telling parables. So he's telling another parable. And when he says, it will be like, what he's talking about is the kingdom of God. What it's going to be like to be a part of the kingdom of God. So he's told a story. So again, the kingdom of God will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, two bags. And to another, one bag. Each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work. And he gained five bags more. 
The man who had received five bags, I think I missed a verse, also the, oh no, also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went and off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. So what we have is we have this, this story of this, this master who, who's wealthy. He owns a house. He owns property. He has servants. And he's going away on a long journey. And he leaves his servants in charge of taking care of his things while he's away. So just so we're all on the same page here, just so we can make sure we're all understanding what's going on. Who's the master? God, Jesus. Not trick questions. You know, it's the obvious answers to this. So you don't have to be worried. Am I right? You're, you're probably right. But who are the servants? Us. That's right. There we go. So God is, so, so the story that Jesus is telling is about himself. When he goes away for a long journey, entrusting his servants with his work. And that's, that's the picture that we're given, and, and that's when we're living right now, is we're living in this time while our master is away on a long journey. That's right now, the time when Jesus first ascended into heaven, and then when he's coming back the second time. But while he's away, he didn't just leave his, his estate to manage itself, he, he, he left his servants in charge of what the family business was. He left his servants, his children, his bride, however you want to, whatever analogy you want to take that Jesus has given with taking care of our father's business while he's away. He's left us in charge. And we see here that, that the master gives his servants different amounts of bags of gold, and it tells us that each was given according to his ability. So what this tells us is that each one of us have been given something by God. Some of us seemingly may have, have been given more to work with, and some of us maybe feel like we've been given less to work with. And it's at this point in our journey and in our walk with the Lord where we actually have the potential for the story to, to lose us. Because if I was to ask for a show of hands, I'm not, but if I was to ask for a show of hands... And I was to say, how many people here see themselves as a five bags of gold people? How many of, how many of you see it as, as somebody that God has really gifted? My anticipation is not very many hands will go up. But if I was to say, how many here maybe view yourself as a one bag of gold people person? You know, the, the bottom rung the, the one just scraping by. I have a feeling if I was to ask for a show of hands, more hands would, would say, yeah, I'm probably a one bag of gold person. Maybe a half. You know, it was one bag, but the bag was pretty light, like my bag, you know. Everybody got the same size of bag, but even the one bag people, if there was like a smaller bag... Maybe, maybe that would be me. And because the majority of us see ourselves as one bag people, sometimes we get lost in that. We think, I'm not a, I'm not a five bag person. What do I have to offer? I, I'm not gifted like Pastor Matt. I can't sing songs like I can't do that. I can't get up and preach like like Pastor Brad. I can't do those things. I don't have five bags. But the first thing that we need to understand about us and, and as God's servants is while he was away, if you were given one bag, 
or if you were given five bags. And I want you to know from the bottom of my heart, whether you see it or not, there's a whole lot of five bag people here at this church. You have a whole lot of people with five bags. Whether you see it in yourself, and well, okay, there's a whole lot, but I'm not one of them. You're probably one of them. You are so gifted by God. God has blessed this church with so many gifted people. One of the great joys that I had over the summer was not preaching. And not because I don't like preaching. I love preaching. It's hard for me not to preach. But over the course of the summer, the number of people who have said to me, I cannot believe how blessed we are as a church. We had so many guests, and they were amazing. They spoke exactly what I needed to hear. I heard that from so many people over the summer. You are five bag people. I'm blessed as a pastor to have a church full of people who got five bags of gold. But no how many bags of gold you've been given, the expectation remains exactly the same. Five, two, one, the expectation is the same. Use what you've been given. But we see that the servant that was given one bag does what so many of us can have a tendency to do, or at least a temptation to do, when we feel like we've only got one bag. He decides it's not really worth it to risk using what I've been given because I was only given one. It's not worth it. It's so little. Who cares? Let's just sit on it and tuck it away. I don't want anyone to know I was only given one bag. And and how effective could I really be with one bag? If I double my bags of gold, I'm just in line with the next level up. What difference does it make? Look at the five-bag guy, and look at the difference he made. He had five bags, and he turned them into ten. I was given one. There's no way I'm coming back with ten. Ten-time return? No. I mean, look at, the, look, at the, look at the girl who has two bags. They were able to turn that into four. That's still four times what I have. I'm only one. Maybe instead of using my, my measly, insignificant one bag, I'm just going to try to bury it, hide it. I'm not going to use what I'm being given because it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. I'm barely gifted. What difference could I make? How many of us can feel this way about ourselves and when it comes to serving and being a part of church life? I don't have anything to offer. I don't have anything I can do. They don't need me. They need gifted people. They they need people who could do a better job of that than I know that I could do. So instead of using my gift, which which they probably don't want anyway, I'm just going to sit on my gift, put it away, and hide it. Because it doesn't really matter. So we have this story, we have the the servant who got five bags, he's turned it into ten. Servant had two, turned it into four. Servant who has had one, went and hid it and buried it in the ground. So let's see what happens when the master returns. Verse 19 says, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled his accounts with them. Come on, boys, tell me what happened. 
Verse 20. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. He doesn't say pretty good. I mean, the guy before you had ten. You got four. I guess that's good. Same commendation. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Now the third guy waiting in line, undoubtedly a little nervous, a little unsure of what's going to take place. Verse 24, then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I I know that you are a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, See, here is what belongs to you. Hey, at least I didn't lose it. I was worried what would happen if you... If, if, I, if I went out and it went terrible. And he says, I'm afraid of, of you. I was afraid. Of, how many of us can live with a fear of God? And not the healthy, a fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but like, I'm scared that God's going to get me. I'm scared if I screw up, he's going to punish me. I scare if, I'm scared if I screw up, he's going to make my family sick. Or I screw up, he's going to do something. How many of us live with a fear that our master is going to get us if we mess up? And so he says, I was afraid that if I screwed up, you were going to do something to me. And so I hit it. But hey, at least I didn't lose it. What does his master say to him? Verse 26. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gathered where I've not scattered. So you knew that you, you were afraid of me. You believed that I was going to be hard on you. Then, well, then you should have at least put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I, I would have received it back with interest. You, you could have done the bare minimum, but you didn't even do, do that. Now, remember what he said to the other servants, well done, good and faithful servant. To this one, he says, you, you wicked and lazy servant. Then he told the other servants, because you've been faithful with this little, I'll, I'll give you more. So what what does he say to this servant? So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. Go back to verse. There we go. For whoever has will be given more, and they that have an abundance, whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The master's response to the first two servants, well done, good and faithful servant. And isn't that the thing that that we talk about all wanting and longing to hear we stand before Jesus, when, when we pass from this life into eternity and we stand before Jesus, the thing we want to hear, the thing that we say, this is what I want the Lord to speak over me. Well done, good and faithful servant. 
That's not what the servant with the one bag hears. He tells him, I, that, that I didn't use what you had given me. I didn't do anything with what you had given me. I was afraid to use it. It didn't matter anyway. Look at what these other people did. How was I supposed to measure up? I started out with so little. And if I tried to use what I had, it, it might not have worked. It was so insignificant. It was so small. I was afraid that if I lost it, you'd punish me. So I didn't use it and I just hit it. There's no well done, good and faithful servant. No, like, well, thanks for trying. I can tell you put a lot of thought and consideration into this. I would have preferred if you had used what I had given you, but, but you make a good case. So, okay. The master's harsh to his servant. And so we look at this, this story as a pretty strong warning about using the things that God has given us. And if we don't use them, it, it doesn't seem like God's going to be very happy with us if we just take the things that God has given us and we just don't use them. No matter what our reasons may be, no matter why we feel like we're better off or the church is better off or the world is better off or I'm better off, if we just don't use what I've been given, that well-done, good and faithful servant that we're all longing for, it may not be there. And so from this story, we come to the conclusion that I, you, we, we must, must, must use what we've been given by God. But yet, I think that for most of us, I know for myself, and I'm sure for many of us here, even after the reading of that story and we see how it ends, we still can really identify with that one guy. Where we, we go, yeah, I get it, but... I'm a one-bag person, man. I don't have a lot to give. So there's, there's a couple things that we need to pull out of this story. There's a couple things that I want to show you, a couple things that I want to highlight for you to hopefully help you, you see and understand yourself in the light of who God created you to be. The first is fairly basic. We've already talked about it this morning, but it's the truth that the master has given you something. Whichever you you are, you have been given something. Jan, you've been given something. Roy, you've been given something. Everybody has been given something by God. And you're not out of the loop on that. The story begins with the master going away and he calls his servants together and he gives them each something. No one is left out. It doesn't say this. Again, it'll be like a man going on a journey who's called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Well, except for Jim. Because, well, we all know Jim. And we're not giving Jim anything. We can't trust him. No, all of the servants were given something. All is all. We, we are all, all. And so you've been given something by God. Each one was given something, and you have been given your bag of gold, or two bags of gold, or five bags of gold. You have been given something. You have been gifted by God. There's no way around it. We all have been gifted by God. And no matter how much you may doubt or, or not see it in you, you have been. You may not know it yet. You may not know what your gifting is. Although I suspect that, that you maybe have some ideas. But perhaps you just lack the confidence or belief in yourself to really believe that it's really there. That I really have been gifted. 
And that brings us to the second thing that we need to understand about the story and what we need to understand about ourselves. See, the first thing that you need, or second thing, I guess, that you need to know is that the master wasn't concerned with the return on investment. He was concerned with the lack of use. He didn't say, when the, the servant showed up, he didn't say, look, I expected the one to be two. He didn't say, my expectation was 100% return on my investment from every single one of you. He, he, he didn't see the money that hadn't been made. He saw a servant not using what he had been given. The master had entrusted his servant with a bag of gold, something very valuable. And for one reason or another, the servant made the choice not to see the value in what he had been given and instead was worried and ashamed that what he had been given might not be enough or might not be effective enough. And he hid it. And when he's comforted by the master, or when he's confronted by the master, the master says, at least put it in the bank. Do something with what I've given you. Do something, not nothing. You did nothing with it. See, we often look at, at what we've been given, and, and we can say, I cannot possibly do that with this. I, I could not possibly do that with this mess. But what we need to understand from this story is, is whatever God's given you, whatever giftings God's placed in your life, God expects you to use it. And when we choose to sit on what we've been given, to hide it, to bury it away, it, it won't matter what our reasons are. When we, we stand before God, he's going, I expected you to use what I had given you. There's one more thing that I want to highlight for you today. See, this parable always used to bug me. For a long time, I didn't like this story. Because I thought Jesus told a really incomplete story here that wasn't fair. Because we're only presented with two outcomes. Two ranges of outcomes that are presented here. The two, serv two servants who used their bags of gold, they doubled their investment. Obviously an outcome that any master would be thrilled with. Now, the servant who buried his gold was told that, that there was something he could have done, at least put it in the bank and, and make a little bit of interest. But there's a third outcome that seemingly could have been possible. See, friends, not every investment makes money. See, I'm not a money guy. I'm not, I, I don't know stocks and bonds GICs and mutual funds. I, I don't know where you go to buy a stock. I, I know the stock market in theory, but I don't know where the stock market is. Like how, how do you go buy a stock in something? My, my oldest son, Owen, loves Fortnite. He says, Dad, we should buy stock in Fortnite. I don't know how to buy a stock. I don't know how you do that. Like, where do you go? Who do you give your money to? What do you get in return? I don't know how any of this stuff works. And so if you came to me and you said, Brad, you're a pastor. You must be full of wisdom. I want to give you some money to invest. And make me some money in investing. I don't know what I'd do with it. I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, we have a, a financial advisor at the bank. And he calls me and says, hey, I have an idea for what you should do with some of the money you have in your savings account. And I said, okay, do it. 
I don't know. He's, well, you can expect this return. I don't know. Okay. Like, is it better than what I'm doing now? Yes. Done. I don't know anything about investing. It's not who I am. It's not what I do. I don't know anything about this. But if you gave me some money, I don't know what I'd do with it. And so in a sense, I could identify with the servant. Because what we're not shown here is what would have happened if the servant would have invested all of his money in Enron. Or if his servant would have invested all of his money in Nortel. It's a good stock. It's a solid, good Canadian company. Good solid stock. Let's invest everything in Nortel. Whoops. Now I have no money. And this always bothered me about this parable. Because nobody comes to the master and said, Master, I did my best. I did everything I could. And I failed. We don't get to see what the master would have said to that is we have, I doubled your money. Great, who's going to argue with that? Then we have a, a, a servant who doesn't do anything, and we see him get in trouble, but, but what about the servant who tried his best and failed? The point of this parable is using what God has given you. And here is why Jesus doesn't talk about the investments that might lose money. It's because when you use what the master has given you, you will see a return. When you use what you've been given, you will not lose. You will not use what God has given to you, come to the end of it and go, I screwed it all up. Because it's not an investment. This isn't money. This isn't a parable about how to invest money. It could be, you know, if, thus saith the Lord, invest and get 100% return on everything. That's a pretty good investment lesson, but that's not what Jesus is trying to teach us. He's trying to say, look, if you use what I've given you, you're not going to fail. You're not going to come out worse. The church is only made better when we do what we're called to do. We're only made better when we do what we're called to do. Now, now what that bag looks like, it's different for each of us. For, for some, that looks like ten bags of gold. For some, it's only two. But the reason why the first two had such an amazing return was not because of their investment knowledge. It wasn't because they knew the stock market, whatever it was back in Bible times. They invested in chicken. I don't know. Um, whatever they, you know, it wasn't because they knew about how to invest money and get a return and, and all of these kinds of things. It's because they used what the master had given them. And when you use what God has given you, you're going to see the results of the first two servants. And maybe as, as you sit in your life unsure of how do I use what God's been given or what God's given me, and you look and you say, I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea how to do what I'm supposed to do. I know God has called me to do this. I know, I, I, as Pastor Brad talked about being involved in kids' ministry, I, I felt a little stirring, and, and I don't like kids. What do I do with that? Well, we trust God. We trust God. 
We simply have a choice where today we can decide that we're going to be like the first two servants and simply use what we've been given and trust that God's going to make it work. Or we can be like the third person who, who looks at his little bag of gold and sees how insignificant it all feels, how unimportant it all feels, how unnecessary it all feels, and allow all the reasons that we think to, or we think to, overwhel to overwhelm us. I don't know what I'm doing anyway. And they probably don't want me. And, and, and. Friends, I want to close out our time this morning with a verse that may be familiar to you. If you've been to church for, for any amount of time, you've probably heard someone reference this verse at some point. But I want to take this verse that's about God's magnificent, immutable, glorious power. And I, want to, I want to read it. But, but I don't want to read this verse in a way to say, wow, look at what God can do. But I want, I want to read this verse over you over your life and, and have you understand that when, when we read this and it says all these amazing things that God can do, it's true for you. It's not just true for us as a believer because, hey, that's the God we serve, but it's true about your life, your gifting, and you look and you may go, I've only got one bag and we're going to read a promise about what God can do with your one bag. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Um, can you, sorry, it got messed up there. Um, or Matt, I don't know if you can, can help with that. But this is what I want you to understand what God will say to you today. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. Friends, do you believe that about your life? That as you look at yourself and you say, I'm a one-bag person. We know that God can do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. Do you believe that you can do more than you can ask or imagine because of God's power at work in you? That as you stand and you look at your one bag of gold and say, I don't know what I can do. You can do more than you can ask. You can do more than you can imagine. You are capable of more than you ever dreamed of because of God's work in your life. I can look at my bag of gold and think, what can God do with this? What could God ever really do with this? He is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine about ourselves with us. God can do more through you than you can ever imagine or even dare to ask. We just need to use what we've been given. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you 
that as we look to serve you, as we walk out our lives and our stories, Father God, I thank you that as we live this life, God, that we can have promises to stand on, promises to look to, promises to lean on. God, I thank you that for each one gathered here that would identify themselves, that would say, of myself, I know this to be true. I am not very gifted. God, I thank you that for each one gathered here that would say, I don't have a gift. I don't know what my gift is. I'm not gifted. God, I thank you that for each one gathered here, the truth of your word over their life, the truth of your word over their gifting, the truth of your word over who they are is that you can do immeasurably more than they could ever dream for themselves. That your power is so great that you can take our one bag of gold and you can change the world with it. God, I thank you that we are a church of world changers. That those gathered here today have the power to change their world, have the power to change their family, have the power to change their community, have the power to change the city, have the power to change this world. And God, I pray that you would open our eyes Open our eyes to see ourselves the way that you see us. Open our eyes to see our giftings the way that you see our giftings. Open our eyes to see our bags of gold the way that you see our bags of gold. And God, as our eyes are opened, as as the lens is peeled back, as, as as we see through a mirror dimly, God, help us to see through a mirror clearly and help us to see who we have been called and created to be as sons and daughters of the living God. And God, I pray that you would help us with boldness and confidence, step out in faith and say, I didn't know I was gifted but I'm going to trust that God has gifted me. And God, I thank you that when we step out in faith, we're promised, we're told, we're we're not going to lose. We don't need to be afraid of our master. We just need to trust in the goodness and grace of our master. Lord Jesus, I thank you for each one gathered here. I thank you for each one watching online that you have gifted them so so deeply. I'm so grateful for a church full of so many five-bag people. And God, I pray that you would help us to step out in faith and use what we've been given. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. You made the rain, so when it falls on me, should I complain or feel you calling me? Thanks again for being a part of this message from Hillside Church. We pray that God was able to speak to you through what was shared. We're so grateful to be able to share God's word with our church community and family. And that includes you. And we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hillside Airdrie. You can contact us through email at info at hillsideairdrie.ca. Or you can go to hillsideairdrie.ca and click on contact us from the main menu. Or you can find our pastoral team contact by clicking on our pastors from the Our Church drop down menu. Our vision for everyone that shares in Hillside Church is that they would know God, know his hope, know his purpose, and know his power in their lives. And we pray this message ministered to you. At Hillside Church, we're a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. As family we go. You are the joy. You're the smile on the face of your boy. You're the flowers at the park in Detroit. Still the words on the back of our coins. Let's make some noise. You cover me, my defender, when you're rolling up your sleeve. You're the truth that's gonna set the captive free. The only king that's ever chose to bleed.
what I believe. They keep trying to make your glory fade. But I ain't really sweating what they say. Ain't no doubt about you. Lord, I love all the ways that you love me. You're the good, you're the good, you're the goodness. Through the good and the bad and the ugly, I can still feel the sunshine above me. Lord, I love all the ways that you love me. You're the good, you're the good, you're the good. 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 You're the goodness. You're the good. You're the good. You're the good. You're the goodness. Ain't no doubt about you. 